Kimra Howe, Vulture Goer Podcast. Welcome to our podcast. This podcast is brought to you by heartlandtravel.co.uk and scottishguidedtours.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Norrie Hope. I have a little business called Heartland Travel and we do tours of Scotland. Hello, guys. My name is Neil McCoon and I have a Scottish tour company called Scottish Guided Tours. And we're here today to do, or at least to make an attempt at a, a, a podcast. Now, we're both tour guides here. We've both been tour guides in Scotland for, for many years. But nine years now I've been doing tours of Scotland. And I've always been asked a question. And that is, after I've ended my tour, I've dropped everybody off. I've told them all the stories of Scotland. I always get asked, Nori, you should do a podcast. And I'll tell you what, that's great for your ego. You start thinking you're amazing. But then, speaking to many of my other friends and speaking to Neil here over the years, that same question, Neil, has that been asked of you? It's been mentioned many times uh, on my bus and um, sometimes I'm sure it's just people from another country not used to hearing the Scottish brogue, that Scottish accent that people tend to like. But yeah, I have been asked on many an occasion, you should do a podcast, you should record these stories, record uh, a bit of the history of Scotland and broadcast it to the world. And where do we find ourselves now? Doing a podcast, get ready go. to broadcast to the world. There you go. Now, there's a certain kind of person that ends up in this industry as a as a tour guide. It is a truly, truly wonderful job. We're very lucky to do what we do. So what we want to do is we want to try and give you an understanding of, of Scotland. That's an important part of this podcast, as well as the kind of stories of Scotland. Now, the podcasts are they're going to be about half an hour long. That's what we're planning them to be. And they're, we're hoping to do them maybe the best part of once a month. We're going to be bringing in more tour guides and we're going to get them and we're going to be interviewing them and asking them what Scotland means to them because Scotland means something different to all of us. The one thing you'll always find about tour guides in Scotland, they're incredibly, incredibly passionate about their country. Now that can be just how beautiful it is, it could be about our history, our ancestry. But the one thing is we always come through is each tour guide I meet has a kind of different speciality. They understand things. They've got different things to say. So we're going to try and get every single one of these podcasts, get someone to come in and we're going to ask them that question. And obviously this one here, it's just me and Neil. Neil and I will always be on these podcasts. So the first thing I'm going to do right now is I'm going to stop and I'm going to ask my very, very good friend, Neil. Neil, what does Scotland mean to you? Scotland, Norrie, means <laughs> it means so many things to me. Okay, you know, it's a difficult one to answer in concise fashion on a podcast. And as Norrie says, I think Scotland means something different to everybody. But certainly, one of the things that I realised very quickly when I started to become a tour guide and taking people around this wonderful country of ours was just how naturally passionate I was about my country and enthusiastic, and actually how much I knew about Scotland. I can still remember my first tour, the night before my first tour, my boss calling me and asking me if I was nervous. And I was surprisingly really not nervous. I was going around an area called the Trossachs. Beautiful, beautiful area. <laughs> which Nori and I know very well. It's hard. To, so we, we have tour guiding voices, folks. It's just one of these human conditions going to hear them. that we have. And uh, we don't, uh, we, we sound like a, a kind of tour guide version of ourselves where we say Scotland. Uh, in a very passionate way and talk about the guilty times in Scotland. Uh, but aye, so my first tour was round the Trossachs, which is just outside Stirling. Stirling's a very, very important part of Scotland. Fantastic castle in Stirling. 
and one of the most popular visitor attractions in the whole of the United Kingdom, actually, Stirling Castle. It's probably the most important town in Scotland for a number of reasons. All the kings and queens stayed here, but most importantly, it's because it's where me and Neil are from. I think you'll agree, it's the centre of the universe, the folks. It's the centre of, of the universe. universe. But it's, it's, Stirling's a really wonderful historic town, you know, so if you think about Mel Gibson, Braveheart, uh, if anyone's ever seen that movie, you know, fantastic. I love Braveheart. It's one, probably one of my favourite movies of all time. It's totally untrue, but it's a fantastic movie. I thought Mel Gibson's Scottish accent was amazing, apart from the times it sounded Australian. Absolutely. And so Stirling's a great city, guys. So if you get the chance to come to Stirling, because I know a lot of people's tours focus around Edinburgh and Glasgow sometimes, and people do come to Stirling, it tends to be on a bit of a day tour. I think Stirling must hold the world record for people that come here, stay two hours and leave again straight through Aye. there's so much more to see Aye. in this beautiful beautiful town Neil can I ask you a question Aye. sorry just to kind of move away from that so I know you've had lots of jobs in the past is there any kind of jobs you think gave you a foundation to become a tour guide oh, I think I've done lots of selling jobs uh, through the years I was in the, the car trade yes folks I was a used car salesman uh, for many years and yeah I mean perhaps I think that maybe that ability to, to talk to people but I think it's more than that. I think being a there's more than that to a tour guide. Certainly, the, the tour guides I know, the the guys that are worth their salt, guys that have a real passion for Scotland, know the stories, and really are enthusiastic about taking people around Scotland. I think there is something more deep rooted than that. But I think certainly sales jobs give you a good yeah, ground. Yeah. And what about yourself? Well, no, I was the same. I mean, I was in sales. It's funny though, Neil, because even though I was in sales and I would have you know meetings with very important people, or at least they thought they were important. Often if I was doing presentations to two or three people, I'd get really, really nervous. And now I'm in a job where I have to do presentations or at least, you know, tell stories in front of 16 people. And often I do my stories out my bus so I could be standing in the in the centre of sky, looking up at the, the cooling mountains, telling stories of... The sunshine of sky. The sunshine, there you go. Telling stories in front of 16 people. And if you'd asked me when I, you know, going back 10, 15 years ago, could I do something like that? I would have told you I'd be far too nervous to even consider it. To stand there, but now that's what I do for a living. That's a lot to do with how how, how I love Comes talking with about age. Scotland. Well, not age. I think it's more about the subject. You know, I'm so passionate about Scotland. I'm so willing to, to talk about it, and I think that's part of it as well. That's why I find it much much more easy. I'm gonna to have to watch this microphone. I'm too far away from the microphone. I know. I I think I think the older you get, I think you get more comfortable in your own skin, folks, don't you? So I think standing up in front of people and especially talking about subjects that, you, that you're passionate about, you know. And I, I've no, I'm I'm pretty sure that most tour guides will have had perhaps tours that they have found more challenging or struggled with. Could be the weather, could be the clients, because one thing about tours, ladies and gentlemen, which perhaps sometimes if you are on a private tour or a shared tour or you know, you are actually a very important part of that tour. And I think sometimes people don't realise just how important the customer is, the client, the traveller. You know, if you get a very quiet tour, sometimes you have to work very hard to kind of... You're sometimes not sure whether your information is going over, whether people are liking your stories or enjoying the tour. And then at the end of the tour, people are like, that is the best experience I've ever had. And you're like, well, you could have fooled me because you've not said anything through the whole tour. I had a three-day tour. In fact, I had a four-day tour many years ago now where it was the quietest bus I've ever had. 
and I'm not a kid, you know, it was like one of the hardest tours I've ever done because as Neil says, when you've got a tour like that, you end up just talking all the time. You want to you try and fill that silence and you tell more stories and you work hard. And every night of this four-day tour, I was going to be drained. I had a very good friend who was a, a tour guide as well and I said to him, oh, I've got this tour that just, there's nothing from them, I'm getting nothing. And uh, this is uh, this chap, you know, this other tour guide, he said, oh, it can't be that bad. And I said, well, get on that bus right now and just go and say hello. And he got on the bus and he said, hello, everybody's a big personality. He said, hello, everybody. And everybody just looked at him. He then looked at me with fear in his eyes as he got off shaking his head. It was the hardest tour. And honestly, I thought the people on that particular tour were hating every second of it. And there was a girl behind me. I was trying to talk to her. And every time I got conversations, trying to get a conversation going, she was just giving me these monosyllabic answers. And I just worked hard. I was drained by the end of the four days. And everybody went away, shook my hand. And I just could not wait for a tour to be over more. But that girl who gave me all the monosyllabic answers sent me in the most beautiful email. And it was on for pages after pages all about this was one of the greatest experiences of her whole entire life. And I remember thinking to myself, dear God, if only she could have told me a little bit about that during that four-day tour. <laughs> my life could have been easier. folks. <laughs> <laughs> very good, Neil, very good. Aye, aye, so but that's the thing. I mean, it is, um, yeah, sometimes when you're doing tours, you know, you can have the most enthusiastic, lively, engaging customers. Uh, so it's not always a guide. Have you uh, got any customers you remember that really stick in your mind? I, I've got lots and lots of customers who I'm still in touch with who... Isn't that uh, wonderful? That's a wonderful part of our jobs, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Making the new friends. Uh, hold on till I get the sick bucket, folks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, but listen, it is, you know, uh, life's a funny thing. And sometimes you meet people you just click with. And I've got some lovely uh, customers. I had I got a lovely Christmas card from clients from California. Um, or no, sorry, Colorado, I beg your pardon. And I was actually their Christmas card this year. That they sent to all their friends. No way. Yeah. You and your kilt? Aye. Oh, dear God. So it was actually me standing in my kilt, folks. Beautiful. Uh, it's a sight to behold, honestly, ladies and gentlemen. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it, um, at, uh, at Loch Lomond, in the Trossachs, where oh, we were talking about. And uh, yeah, they made me their Christmas card. Really? I was, I was uh, with them, of course. It wasn't just me, folks. Um, so yeah, so that was lovely. So I've met some amazing, uh, amazing clients. And I had a lovely family, actually. In November, they are touring around the Isle of Skye uh-huh. that Nori and I know very well. Five-day tour around that wonderful part of of Scotland. And if anybody who is listening right now has uh, you know intending to come to Scotland or never been, um, the Isle of Skye is incredibly beautiful. It seems to contain some of the most spectacular scenery in the whole of uh, the whole of Scotland. All it's a wonderful this, place. It's almost like an anomaly the way and how spectacular it is. Sorry, I'll carry on. No, you're fine. No, it's I mean Sky it's the, the largest of the inner Hebrides of Scotland folk style of Sky. Uh, Nori, I always love Norrie's statistics about Sky Norrie. Well, how many thousand miles of coastline? Just under four hundred miles of coast. Of course. But the great thing about the Isle of Sky, you can never be more than five miles away from the sea. There Fun facts, ladies and gentlemen. Fun facts, I know. It's and uh, some of the most unpopulated parts of Europe. On the Isle of Skye? Well, the, well, the Highlands itself, yeah. Per square foot is the least populated area in the whole of Europe. That's when we were part of Europe, Neil. That's true. It's a different I story, think. though, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not go down that road. I, absolutely. But aye, so folks, no, listen, uh, met some wonderful people doing tours of Scotland, and that's really what this podcast is about, is Nori and I 
um, hopefully in a wee bit more concise, more organised fashion, talking about tours of Scotland, what Scotland means to us. And it's not just tours of Scotland, ladies and gentlemen, it's about environmental matters to do with Scotland. It could even be, dare I say it, would we ever tread into the realms of the political... Never. Never. Not you and me, Neil. Uh, No, not us. Um, So it's about... Do you know what it is, guys? It's to try and give... You come to Scotland, you've got a perception of Scotland. You're perhaps interested in doing tours of Scotland. Uh, This podcast is hopefully as much for tour guides as it is for potential visitors to Scotland. Maybe it just adds another wee element, another wee dimension to how people view Scotland. It might also be sometimes to do with the negative impact of uh, tour guiding because, you know, Scotland folks, although it's a remote place and has some of the most remote places in Europe and we're a country of nearly 700 islands, it can be busy and that has an impact. And we're going to ask those hard questions, Neil. We are going to ask those hard questions. As I said, going forward, we're going to be bringing in other guys from other companies as well to have a chat with us. Now, Neil, how did you get in? To tour guiding? I literally fell into tour guiding. Uh, nobody ever sets out to be a tour guide, really, that I know of. You kind of stumble into this industry. I broke my leg in France. I was living in France at that time in the winter, working out in the Alps. Uh, think James Bond, folks. Think parachutes and hot tubs. Uh, that was me in my kilt out there. And came back to Scotland with my broken leg, recovered, and then Nori here who has Heartland Travel uh, I used to join Norrie's tour sometimes if he had a spare seat you need a specific driving licence folks to do tours of Scotland in certain sizes of vehicle you need very specialist training so we can look after you well some of the greatest drivers in Scotland you think you'll agree some of the best drivers you know some of the best drivers yes Norrie and I greatest drivers ever so you need very specialist licensing here so I happen to have that specific licence I sometimes used to go on Norrie's tours drive his bus give a bit of chat to the customers and I really enjoyed it and I I just I overheard a tour guide from another company who are actually called Heart of Scotland Tours and I overheard their driver saying they were looking for a guide and I just thought wow you know that could be a wee opportunity for me so I dropped them an email and I met up with Matt Constable Matt is the main man uh, at Heart of Scotland Tours great guy stalwart of the Scottish tour guide industry and Matt and I had a meeting and then it's funny how life works sometimes because as I was chatting to Matt, Matt was telling me that uh, Nick, who owns Heart of Scotland Tours, he used to use one of my dad's books as reference for his first ever tour. So my dad, who sadly passed away a year or two ago, was called Rennie McCone. And Rennie McCone was a very well-known mountaineer, outdoor campaigner, an author and wrote numerous books and edited. Truly great man. Aye, truly, thanks, truly Laurie, great Scottish man. A very, a true son of Scotland, as he was described in his obituary. But my dad was a real, an honest man that stood up for what he believed in and campaigned for all things to do with Scotland. So if you jump onto Amazon or whatever, you'll find books written by my dad, Rennie McCone. So it just coincidence was that Nick had started the company using one of my dad's books for reference. So Matt and I, had a wee chuckle about that and just about life circumstances and how things come full circle. So I started doing some tours for Heart of Scotland Tours, guys, and I never looked back. Thoroughly enjoyed it. My first tour was a tour around the Trossachs that we mentioned. Uh, the Trossachs, folks, everything in Scotland is really derived from the Gaelic. Uh, now, Nori has got two wonderful wee boys called Harris and Andrew who go to the Gaelic school in Stirling because, ladies and gentlemen, it is now possible to actually go to a Gaelic medium school in Stirling. Now, if you'd said that 25 years ago, 
or 20 years ago or even 10 years ago Nori never folk would have just went what Gaelic now the Gaelic is the the language of Scotland folks so everything's derived from the Gaelic all the names of the lochs the mountains the glens and the bends so the trossocks means the rough or the uneven ground Neil just mentioned my, my children they're going to the Gaelic the Gaelic's a it's a wonderful thing the Gaelic medium we call it here in Scotland but for people who are, are listening from all over the world I think they're more known as the, the fully immersive school so the minute my children started school there was no English spoken at all really when they walked through the door it was only the Gaelic language and they are now nine and seven Harris is nine Andrew is seven. Both of them are, are fluent in the Gaelic language. Now, my Gaelic is terrible, and I always promised myself I would learn more, and I do try, but it's a, it's a difficult language. But for these guys, for my kids, when they started, it's so easy at that age for them to pick up the language. It's no, it's it's a really easy thing when it's when it's talked to them. It becomes very natural for them to pick what, it up. What's the app that's out there at the moment? Oh, I forget the name of it. Do you remember the name of it? Is it Duolingo? Duolingo, Duolingo. yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been using that app. Ladies and gentlemen, you should give that app a try in the Gaelic. It's brilliant. So it's called du, Duolingo, folks. We'll, we'll put a link to it. Uh, we'll put a link to it somewhere, uh, yeah. wherever we end up uh, hosting this podcast. But it's I think it's the... It's, there's been the most uptake on a foreign language app Ever, yeah, ever, I think. I think so. Well, I think they, they do a lot of languages, not just the Gaelic. Uh, but I think there was 20,000. Yeah, for their, for that uh, language alone, yeah, it's been yeah. A, it's been the biggest uplift they've had, I think. So, yeah, no, it's... Cooper it, how, Nori, Cooper how. <laughs> Nori loves my... I mean, I, 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 uh, Neil's pronunciations aren't great, aren't great, really, in the Gaelic. Nori loves my... Unfortunately, folks, I don't have the benefit of having two little Gaelic speakers in the house, so Nori does love my Gaelic pronunciations. Yeah. He tries, though, so, ladies and gentlemen, he does try. Uh, definitely, He's very trying, I'm is definitely, Arnold, I'm yeah. definitely a trier, folks. Um, yeah, so, they, so, so they're learning the Gaelic. But what's wonderful for me, though, is um, I have, up in the Highlands of Scotland, I have some friends that are fluent in the Gaelic as well, and when we're up there with my children and they're speaking to them... I kind of forget that my children can speak another language. So it's really bizarre when all of a sudden you hear my two little boys. I'm nearly in tears every time I hear it. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing, you know. Ah, it, it is incredible, actually. But the Gaelic language, you know I mean, pretty much had, or was on its way out, really. There was very, very few people speaking it. But because of the investment that's gone back into it, we're up to about 66,000 fluent Gaelic speakers now in Scotland, which why, is wonderful. Why did the numbers of Gaelic speakers drop so dramatically? Well, do you know, it was the, the language itself, I mean, this is going over the centuries, the language itself, it's not just in Scotland, actually. It's, it's indigenous languages all the way across Europe and the world. Often what will happen and what you'll find is if there's a lang- language that's spoken that is different from the language of the people who run the country, the kings, the queens, the politicians then they can't trust the people they can't understand. So they'll do everything they can to kind of impose that language, their language, onto these other people. And through the centuries that happened, and it happened more and more. And then obviously after a, there was a, a sudden shift of land ownership up in the Highlands just over 250 years ago. And after that, that's when it really, really kind of hit down hard on the what, Gaelic language. What caused yeah. that shift in land ownership then? Um, well, we ended... Uh, well, I think we'd have to go into some great detail there in our Scottish history, really. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to prod you into the Jacobites yeah, here. Yeah, I know, but I'm I think try- we're a bit early for that, so I'm, I'm trying to say. I'm, try- I'm trying doing everything I can to try and back our way I'm, out I'm of that. I'm trying to yeah. crowbar him into mentioning uh, the Jacobites. I'm, I'm trying to bring myself away from for that, yeah. A lot of people that come to Scotland at the moment, guys, um, Outlander, so if anyone's... I need to try and remember to pronounce my T's. We tend to find it... We don't Outlander. Out- Fifty Shades of Tartan, uh, as we call it here. Oh, he steals my joke <laughs> every time. So, guys, I came up with this joke about Outlander, right? And I build it up I, on my I bus. And so if you come on my tours now, I've, I've, I've obviously ruined my joke. But I tell... Because not everyone that comes on my tours knows Outlander. You know, you've got 16 people or more sitting behind you 
Uh, not everyone knows Outlander, so I give them a little bit of a synopsis about Outlander, and then I build it right up into the end, I leave a little delay, and then I just say, Fifty Shades of Tartan, and it gets a laugh every time. Norris stole it. <laughs> stole it. Stole Straight that in there, Neil. From Straight me. in there. Stole it, folks. Absolute Aye. plagiarism. Norris got a great joke about McDonald's, which he'll tell you uh, in future podcasts. Yeah, if you keep on listening. Yeah. If you kill me, isn't it? Aye. Keep on listening to it. Um, but so, guys, Outlander, uh, Outlander brings a lot of customers to Scotland. And that, so, uh, for a lot of people nowadays, the reference point for Scotland is the Jacobites and the Jacobite rebellions and Bonnie Prince Charlie and all these things. So when we had the demise of the Gaelic language, the shift in land ownership, I was trying to crowbar into yeah, the fact I'm, that a I'm, lot I'm, of it... I'm maybe a bit nervous that we're too early to get into the kind of... I thought, I'm hoping to try and slowly bring everybody through all these kind of centuries, but yeah. Scottish yeah. foreplay. Scottish foreplay, <laughs> that's exactly what that was. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, yeah, we're, we're teasing you, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. We're, we're building you up. Yeah. building you up here. Yeah. So, but Norris, how did you get started in this industry? Well, um, I... Uh, I was. Well, I worked for the same company for twenty years of my life. Actually, you know, I, well, when I say I worked, it wasn't the same job for twenty years. I had many jobs within that within that company. I worked for Coca Cola, um, in sales, and just actually before my my twentieth year there, uh, we'd had me and my beautiful Louise had had um, our little boy Harris, our first child, and at that point we were going to put him into. Lou had had a year's maternity leave, and we were going to put Harris into childcare every day. And I didn't want that really. So at that point, I volunteered to give up my job, and I became an at-home dad. And that was the best year of my life, actually, being an at-home dad. Neil, Do I the loved it. I, was, I did everything. Well, he was one years old. I'll tell you what the best part was, Neil. Right, it was going to all the clubs, going and sitting with all the mums and having coffees and bitching right. with all the mums. And not, dear God, those mums could bitch. Not the clubs. Not, not the, the clubs. <laughs> not the clubs. You want to take your kids to the clubs? It was the baby clubs. Oh, yeah, the baby so clubs. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. So we did that for a year, um, and then it was time for me to get back into work. And and myself and Louise had always wanted to start our own business, but we didn't know what it was, you know, and we couldn't really figure out. We'd gone through the ideas of maybe taking on some kind of franchise or if we were going to maybe open a cafe or something like that. But we always wanted to just go out there and, and kind of spin the dice at our own business. And it was one day we were in Dune Castle with our little boy Harris and we were walking through and there was a bus and it was a Rabbies bus. Now we knew nothing about this industry at all at that time, but my Louise looked at that bus and said, that's the job for us. She said, you love Scotland, you love Scottish history, you love showing off your country, that's the job for us. We knew literally nothing about this industry at that point. So we went up to speak to the driver of the bus and I said, look, is this your your company? And it was a young girl behind the wheel and she said, oh no, she kind of laughed and said no. At that time, going back the best part of 10 years ago, I think Rabbi's, which is a great, great company, but they had about 56 buses on the road at that point, 16 seat buses. So we asked her where she went, what did she do, what did she talk about? And she was really open to share all that with us. It was great. But we kind of went away with really excited and really energised, thinking this is the, the business we want to get into. But how do we do that? What we then find out is, as Neil mentioned, you have to have a special licence. But it's even more than that if you want to actually have a company to, to do bus tours. You have to become a bus company. And the legislation and bureaucracy is really difficult. But we actually we jumped through all those hoops and we did that. We got to a point where... We were getting ready to start. We got what's known as our O license and we were ready to start. And we went out and we spent every single penny we had. And at that point, we just had our second child. <laughs> it was, I mean, our families and everybody was saying, oh, this is a really bad idea, are you sure? So we spent £7,500 on our first bus and it was a 10-year or 11-year-old bus when we bought it. And uh, off we did and we, did our, we started our tours. Now, we started doing a three-day tour 
to the Isle of Skye. That was our kind of, and that still is, to be fair, our bread and butter. And at that point, we built our relationships with the accommodation that we were using and stuff. But I didn't know what a tour was like. And to this day, ladies and gentlemen, I've never, ever been on a tour. Isn't that weird? I've never been on a tour. So what I felt and what me and Louise, my wife, felt was if we were going to do this, then we were going to deliver a tour that we would think was good. And we were going to talk about things that we would think people would want to hear that and do a tour that we would want to do. So it'd be more adventurous. We'd be out for big walks. We'd get people out and off the bus. We would tell the stories off the bus to really make them feel and immerse them in the stories. So they're not just listening to us as we drive by churches and so much or castles. We wanted to tell stories and build a narrative from the start of the tour right to the end. And that's what we do. And, and, it's been amazing, really. It's been amazing, yeah. Um, but that's nine years now. Nine years we've been. That's fantastic. Touring Scotland. So you've never done Scotland. A, you've never done a tour of Scotland. I've never been on a tour bus in my life. No. You never. Okay. Honestly, never been on a tour bus in my life. Wow. Uh, but that's. I, mean, I don't know how different my tours are from anybody else's. But I guess they're, they're, you know that other people are. I think every. Similar, I, yeah, I mean, I think every, everyone's yeah. tours. Um, are very different. Are indeed, very different. You know, yeah. it depends on the tours as well, folks. You know, sometimes people do private tours, so I, I do drive bigger buses as well and guide larger groups of visitors. But I, for Scottish guided tours, dot uh, com, uh, my own company, I tend to do small group, uh, private tours. So up to eight people. So it can be quite a, you know, it's a very not an intimate setting, but you know, you get to know people. It's a it's a different vibe, isn't it? Oh, totally. Private tours are completely different to the yeah. scheduled tours that we do. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. But so with the Norwich company Heartland Travel. dot co. dot uk. Correct. Well done. You Thanks got there. Much. Heartland Travel. Heartland Travel. Not Heartland Tours. Heartland Travel. Heartland Travel. dot co. Keep saying travel, Neil. Aye. So Norwich has sixteen people. Uh, not all the time, because Norrie does private tours as well, but sometimes these people don't know one another. So that's a different dynamic, as you guys can imagine, because you're trying to, people are introducing themselves, quiet groups. Making new friends. Making yeah. new friends. I think that's probably the point we were making earlier about the tour guiding industry and chatting a wee bit about doing tours of Scotland. It is so diverse, it's so different, and there's lots of different companies out there, lots of different people doing different types of tours. There are some huge companies out there. Lots of tour companies doing lots of different tours. So, guys, basically, uh, we're going to uh, wrap this one up. Yep. Um, and it was just a wee introduction of from my good friend Norrie and I, Norrie Hope, heartlandtravel.co.uk, Neil McCone from scottishguidedtours.com. And hopefully... Well, you know what? If you are going to come to Scotland, both myself or Neil... Can make your dreams come true, am I right? <laughs> quite, quite literally, folks. Quite, quite literally, <laughs> yes. No, genuinely, we do. Uh, we are very good at what we do, and um, hopefully, we'll see you in Scotland soon. Thank you very much. And cut.